open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. Alleluia. The King ascendeth into heaven. O come, let us worship him. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. It is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Alleluia, the King ascendeth into heaven. O come, let us worship him. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Alleluia. Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Alleluia. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Teach me thy way, O Lord. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies. For false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, Alleluia. Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Alleluia.
The Old Testament lesson for the Sunday after the Ascension is written in the 36th chapter of the book of the prophet Ezekiel, beginning at the 22nd verse. Therefore tell the house of Israel, The Lord God says, I don't do this for your sake, house of Israel, but for my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you went. I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when I am proven holy in you before their eyes. For I will take you from among the nations, and gather you out of all the countries, and will bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean." I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will also give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. You will keep my ordinances and do them. You will dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You will be my people and I will be your God. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The epistle is written in the fourth chapter of the first epistle of St. Peter, beginning at the seventh verse. Brothers, the end of all things is near. Therefore be of sound mind, self-controlled, and sober in prayer. And above all things, be earnest in your love among yourselves, for love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, employ it in serving one another as good managers of the grace of God in its various forms. If anyone speaks, let it be as it were the very words of God. If anyone serves, let it be as of the strength which God supplies that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, don't be astonished at the fiery trial which has come upon you to test you as though a strange thing happened to you. But because you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, rejoice, that at the revelation of his glory you also may rejoice with exceeding joy. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the Spirit of glory and of God rests on you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, God reigneth over the heathen. God sitteth upon the throne of his holiness. Alleluia. I will not leave you as comfortless. I go away and come again unto you, and your heart shall rejoice. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel is according to St. John, the 15th and 16th chapters. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus said, When the Counselor has come, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. You will also testify, because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said these things to you, so that you wouldn't be caused to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. 
Yes, the time comes that whoever kills you will think that he offers service to God. They will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have told you these things, so that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you about them. Here ends the Gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Go ye into all the world and preach the Gospel. Alleluia. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Alleluia, alleluia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, if you didn't know, today we are recognizing two of our own graduating high school seniors, Devin and Madison. And as your pastor, I can tell you both, it's been a joy watching you grow in the faith and getting to know you in church and on those high school youth group nights. I will miss having both of you there very much. But despite how much we'll miss you, I can confidently speak on behalf of this congregation when I say, it's wonderful to watch you grow up and mature as God created you to do. And what's coming in your lives is a blessing. It's a blessing to be able to close one chapter of life and to chart out on the next chapter that God has given you. And we thank God for your high school graduation and for the opportunities he will be giving you in the years ahead and in college. So today we celebrate, but hold on, because tomorrow it'll be August. The truck will be loaded. You'll be setting out for campus. Then you'll be in your own dorm room unpacking everything. Your parents will be there to help, but at some point your parents are going to hug you goodbye, get in their cars, and leave. And that's when you're going to be in your dorm room all by yourself with a range of emotions. You'll realize life has changed. You haven't been abandoned, but you are on your own in a new town, in a new school, with new people all around you and your family not there. And right now you might be smiling thinking about how exciting that will be. You're thinking of the freedom that you'll have, and it is exciting. But it can also be intimidating, maybe a bit scary, maybe a little unnerving. Because amidst all that freedom, you may have a creeping feeling of loneliness as you stand there in your dorm room by yourself. And what you'll need to know in that moment, what your parents might need to know in that moment, is this. You're not the first ones to feel all these things. At the beginning of this service, you heard about the ascension, how our Lord ascended and the twelve were left staring up into heaven. They were excited about the promise of the Holy Spirit, but with that there was loneliness. They may have still been fearful of this post-resurrection world, their Savior is gone, but they're still surrounded by Jews and a world that hates them. Yet although they were alone, 
they weren't abandoned. And they know they weren't abandoned because of what the Lord speaks to us today in the gospel. Now in college, don't get me wrong, you'll have all kinds of opportunities and challenges of every sort. For the post-ascension church, however, our Lord doesn't sugarcoat anything. He tells it exactly what it's going to be like for his disciples when he leaves. In verse 2 he says, They, meaning the Jews and the world, will put you out of the synagogues. That means they will excommunicate you. Indeed, the hour is coming when whomever kills you will think he is offering service to God. That means the world will look at the faithful and will act violently towards them. And Christ says it plainly, they will kill you. And not just that, the world will do everything in its power to destroy you, up to and including killing you. Which means when the world hears that you're a Christian, they'll want to hurt you. If you're married, they'll tempt, you to, they'll tempt and attack your marriage. If you have a family, they'll tempt your parents and children to turn against you and you against them. And especially in college. Some will mock your faith, even in class, and try to turn you from the religion that your parents have handed down to you. Some will attack you being single, trying to convince you that chastity and marriage are foolish. This is in or out of college. And they'll still try to, they'll also try to destroy your reputation. Maybe there'll be real life protests or online mobs wanting to end your education or career or livelihood. It happens. Christ says they'll throw you out of the synagogues. Now, you're not Jewish. You don't go to synagogue. But don't think that this doesn't apply to you, what he's saying. The Greek here is literally they will ex-synagogue you. That is, they will throw you out of the gathering. They'll excommunicate you. If a church is corrupt and finds you faithful, this means that Maybe a church will hastily try to excommunicate you. But more likely, when the world hears of your faith, it's the world that will say things like, your views aren't welcome on this campus, or in this company, or in this town, or in this country. Those are the type of people that you can expect to berate you and shun you. And those who you thought were friends may desert you. And Christ says they'll do all this thinking they're offering service to God. Which is odd because you might even hear the world in such cases talk about God. Those in the world will claim that this is what Jesus would want. This is what Jesus would do. The world will claim to know Jesus and what he teaches. Not because they know the scriptures, but because they have a few verses that they can twist. And they'll tell you that Jesus is someone who is nice, who never judges, who accepts all of us the way we are, and just wants you to be happy. And that's why our Lord says in verse 3, They will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. And so you'll get in these situations where you and the world will both claim to know Jesus, but you'll quickly find out it's not the same Jesus. And while you are willing to die for the true Jesus of the Scriptures, they're willing to kill for the false Jesus of their corrupt hearts, 
because they don't know the real father or the real son. And the reason for their ignorance of who Jesus is is this. All mankind is conceived in sin, born with a will and a desire to destroy, born with a will devoted to excommunicating, killing, destroying others as a way to justify themselves before God and before men. They're born with hard hearts. They seek only to serve themselves, thinking others are just useful things to be used so they can earn forgiveness with God. Yet as you enter the world, whether through college or grad school or work, what you'll need to realize is this. As you look at those in the world and see how ignorant they are of God, remember, at one time, we were no different. We also were conceived in sin. We were also born not knowing God. We were born with a corrupt will and a hard heart toward everyone in our lives. If you were left on your own, you'd be going into the world, you'd be going off to college, and you'd feel just at home. But it won't always feel like home because you are different now. So what has changed? That is, how did we leave the ways of the world? How did our will and our heart change so they're not like the world's? And our Lord tells us in the Gospel, when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Again, the disciples were left alone after the ascension. But they weren't left as orphans. Christ is in heaven. And we are in this world, but we are not abandoned. Because sitting at the right hand of the Father right now is a man in the flesh ruling over heaven and earth, interceding for you and me. And this man is our Lord. And from the right hand of the Father... Our Lord sends the Spirit who proceeds from the Father. The Spirit who Christ breathed out in His dying breath on the cross is the same Spirit He sends now. It's the same Spirit that comes from heaven to you in your baptism. It's the Spirit who in the waters baptized you into Christ, giving you Christ's life and righteousness and all that is His. The Spirit in the waters in the Word is there in the waters creating in you a new will that is devout toward God and a pure, clean heart that is able to serve God with sincerity. That is how we left the ways of the world. Because the Spirit was sent to you from the Son, proceeding from the Father. And the Spirit is still with you, having justified you in faith. And now creating in you, I should say creating you, in the image of Christ crucified. And to understand what it means to be recreated in the image of Christ, consider the words of St. Paul, who says in the epistles that our Lord, being in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and humbled himself by, become, by becoming obedient to the will of the Father to the point of death, 
even death on a cross. That is, the Spirit is creating in you the will of Christ that is devout toward God and creating in you the heart of Christ which serves the Father without distraction, without other gods, serving God to the point of death. You have left those ways of the world. You are able to endure whatever the world throws at you because you are in the faith. Because our Lord has sent the Spirit to us to create in us a new will and a new heart. If you look at the First Peter passage, it tells us what it means to be given the devout will of Christ. It means to be able to face persecution. Even as the flesh trembles in fear and loneliness, we can face persecution because of the Spirit who over trials and over time gives us self-control and a sober mind and guides us into prayer. Just like our Lord was always in prayer, that's what the Spirit guides us to do. It means that in a world hostile to us, the Spirit places us in the body of Christ, in the church, to love and support and forgive each other. That even as the world seeks to destroy us, the Spirit in the church makes us eager here to forgive one another, gives us a desire to cover up, forgive and forget other sins against us. He gives us a devout will to search, to serve each other in the body of Christ. The community of the saints. He gives us a devout will so we can help each other when our needs arise without grumbling. Not only that, but in the face of persecution, the Spirit gives us a devout will which strives not only to serve our church and family and friends, but also our enemies. You will find enemies in the world that hate you, just as we hated God. But what did God do when we hated Him? He loved us, gave His Son to die for us. And so as we interact with our enemies in the world, as they hate us, we love them as God loved us. So they may see the love of God. And to serve others in this way means simply using the gifts God has given you. That's what it means to be good stewards. It's seeking to love those in the church, to love our neighbors and our enemies with the gifts God has given us. And for many, and probably most of us here, it means tithing to pay for a church building, a pastor and staff. Or it means giving charitably to those outside our church, maybe a neighbor in need, or local organizations like Birthright, or helping struggling sister congregations, or even missionaries afar. And likewise, for many, and probably most, it means using our talents and sacrificing our time to help the church and others. And you see that around here, those making repairs in the church or someone's home, those building a shed. For some, it's the authority to preach publicly. For others, it's the ability to speak and encourage your brothers privately. Some are given to lead. Some are given to care and nurture. Some use the multitude of skills acquired through education or trades. You see, stewardship is not about loving those around you in the world that are in the church or that hate you. Stewardship is not about annual tithing commitments or passing out time and talent surveys. Those are okay tools, but they can miss the point. 
Because being given the Spirit, being forgiven in Christ, having the Spirit create a new devout will in us, in this stewardship simply means meditating, being thankful for the gifts God has given us, then looking around at our brothers and sisters in the pews or those at home or at work, those in our lives, seeing their needs and then caring for their needs with what God has given us. Because a devout will always seeks and looks to the needs of others in the love of God so that we can commune with them here in the end. And to be given the sincere, the sincere heart of Christ means simply this. It's a heart which always looks, to, which always seeks the face of God. It's a heart that yearns to be with Him, that cries out to Him in all trouble and clings to Him, knowing He is our salvation. It's a heart that's unafraid even as the flesh trembles because it knows in the Spirit that the Lord is our stronghold, that in the church the Lord protects us. It's a heart that seeks God first in all it does and does all things for God and His majesty. A sincere sincere heart is not one which is trying to earn forgiveness from God, but knows already that God has loved us first, and from that seeks to love God and the neighbor in quietness, reverence, sincerity, and truth. Again, we were conceived with a corrupt will and corrupt heart, seeking to serve ourselves, but now you are in the Spirit. You now have a will and a heart fashioned and made anew toward God. Our Lord says, I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you their hour, meaning the world's hour, comes, you may remember that I told them to you. And again, he says, you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. To keep you from falling away. Persecution will come, whether it's big or small, public or private, whether at home or on campus or at work. And however it comes, it will be intense. Persecution can make a person question everything he believes. But for you, it's different. You've been given the Spirit sent by Christ. The Spirit who is creating in you that devout will, that sincere heart. You've been given the Spirit who will not leave you because Christ does not abandon you and the Father loves you as His own. And so with these words of Christ, with this new will and heart in the Spirit, all this is given to you so that you may endure to the end. And in enduring, proclaim even in suffering Christ crucified you you will proclaim him in the years ahead in what you say and how you live privately or publicly and in that you will bear witness to Christ until the end and so to our graduates I'll say this celebrate today and tomorrow don't succumb to the fear or loneliness don't get too caught up in the excitement And certainly don't despair. Because our Lord who rules at the right hand of the Father has sent you the Spirit to endure all things 
to the end. Amen. Now the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.
mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Almighty everlasting God, make us to have always a devout will toward you and to serve your majesty with a pure heart. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you so to implant your word in us that, in good and honest hearts, we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. Most heartily we beseech you so to rule and govern your church Catholic with all her pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, love and charity increased in us toward all mankind, and your kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into your harvest, and sustain those whom you have sent, that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, and the gospel preached in all the world. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially to Joseph, our President, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our Governor, the Legislature of this State, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities, and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially do we pray for those that we name in our hearts at this time. Although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishments, yet we entreat you, O most merciful Father, Remember not the sins of our youth, nor our many transgressions. But out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, 
from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land, sea, and air, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before you. For by his blood your Son has purchased us to be your own, that we may live under him in his kingdom. As we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, before the night comes when no one can work. And when our last hour shall come, support us by your power and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day. Defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise, and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through the same Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech thee to preserve and keep us this day also from all sin and evil, that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and our souls and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Bless the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.